0: We're excited to be sponsored by Your Digital Future, a new talent agency specialising in digital training and recruitment.
1: One of the challenges we see is that finding good marketers is hard. If you don't live and breathe digital marketing, then how do you know where to find these people? What
0: do you ask them? And are they even any good?
1: Your Digital Future takes that off your hands as an employer. Also, if you're looking for a job in marketing, they work with progressive, candidate-focused brands nationally, so it's worth connecting with them even if you're not looking for a new role right
0: now. To find out more, visit yourdigitalfuture.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the More Than Digital Marketing podcast, a podcast about digital marketing and so much more. My name's Jack. I'm joined today by
1: it's me becky i'm back and me lucy i'm happy to be back too
0: back from where
1: christmas the new year <laughs> back for 2023 for the first time
0: 2023 well well, that's probably the first time i've said it out loud know, probably not weird. but still
1: it, it makes I it literally it. makes me feel sick really yeah i really hate oh like, see i prefer odd numbered years i don't oh, know why it, it's nothing to do with it being odd or even oh. it's just that it's new i don't like change okay
0: Wow, we've
1: got to unpack that a lot later, I think. But uh, I'll do that podcast. with my therapist. Yeah,
0: <laughs> probably, probably <laughs> for the best. You know,
1: <clears throat> how was your Christmas then, everyone? Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Lovely, thank you. Really nice. It's yeah. good to have a good break, but glad to be back. Already feels like a hundred years ago, doesn't it?
0: Well, yeah. We put away the optics tree today in the office. That was depressing. We did.
1: Yeah. Sometimes. Put away the Christmas um, decorations. Um, I still had that thing of coming back to my desk this morning and there being Christmas cards on my desk. Oh, yeah. I had to take those down. They've yeah. gone in the recycling. Yeah. Don't know. All oh, recycling. Not that's in the
0: good. Bin. You could yep. reuse them. Send them again next year.
1: Um, I actually do that. You know, I this. <laughs> Not as in, I don't send them again, but I cut out the ones that I like the front of to use as gift tags for next year. That's That's nice. such a good idea. I, I feel like... Every ting- single time I reveal something about myself on this podcast, I've just become such a granny. So resourceful um, though. But yeah, it's, it's one of my little like therapeutic things that I do between Christmas and New Year. Like I sit and go through <laughs> all my cards and I identify ones that I've received that I haven't spoken to that person in a while and then I send them a message That's nice. and then I cut out the fronts and it's like a little... Wow. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Wow. I'm very impressed, I have to say. It's very organised. Thanks so much.
0: My, um, my granny used to save Christmas cards and just cards in general for probably wasn't years it was probably just she got loads of cards and she would give them she would like rip them in half the people that like the parts that people hadn't actually written on and like give them to us as kids to draw on so like lots of just blank cards that we could just sort of draw on
1: i'm afraid i can't add any christmas card related do you think this and is what everyone's tuned in for yeah i think so <laughs> <laughs> welcome to another hour of this, yeah,
0: another hour of thrifty living this is a
1: spin-off podcast yeah <laughs> move over martin lewis it's optics time <laughs> martin lewis yeah, yeah. money, saving, money saving martin
0: oh yeah no of course oh
1: Obviously. my god subscribe to his emails they're great they are really good um Okay, so just to um, tie us back into the last episode of last year. Um, So we did talk about Christmas TV and film, etc. And I know that everyone's jumped back in today to find out if I watched Hamilton over Christmas and what I thought about it. Um, But I didn't watch it. I'm really sorry. Um, It was a big commitment and I was really busy and then I was ill so i didn't i apologize
0: but in, in fairness i planned to rewatch it and didn't go around to it either it's quite long
1: <clears throat> yeah it's like three hours isn't it
0: so yeah don't don't worry about it too much just it's
1: still th- on the list the day that it happens i will run into the studio and let everyone know what i think
0: <laughs> we have to turn the equipment on first but yeah all right yeah. i'll
1: try and wait for that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: um, well that's that's <clears throat> a great way to start the episode just a real real downer looking forward to hearing your thoughts on I'm gonna
1: keep everyone guessing. Yeah. Maybe at the start of every episode, I'll say I still haven't watched it. Yeah. Who <laughs> wants to guess whether I watched it yet or not? And we'll really keep the suspense going. Okay. okay. How long do you think that'd be exciting for?
0: Um, mm, <laughs> three episodes. Ah, push. Less. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. We'll give you five. <laughs> okay. We'll thanks. check in. We'll check in at episode twenty and see how you do
1: <laughs> Um. So, uh, to talk about the real podcast.
0: Yeah. What um, are we What are we actually here to talk about? <laughs> We're not here to talk about Hamilton.
1: Jack, do you want to talk about the first section? What are we going to talk about first?
0: Well, we're going to jump into socials because it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in here talking about various digital marketing things. And so we're going to talk about social media first. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about TikTok, a little bit about Twitter, because we can't go any podcast without talking about Twitter and things sort of move. Although I do feel like it's slowed down a bit, but Mm. I think it's more that... Yeah, people don't really care as much in the news cycle with um, everything that's going on with Twitter, because it sort of has been the main talking point of everyone for so long now. Um, And yeah, talk a bit about Instagram as well. Um, So yeah, the first thing on uh, around TikTok is that specifically in the US, uh, the US house has banned TikTok on lawmakers phones, um, which is very interesting i think they were sort of flirting with this idea for a long time and it's something that you read in the news quite a lot mm-hmm. um about a lot of um governments sort of actually looking at their own sort of staff and how they're using various apps um but specifically tiktok and the fact that tiktok is owned by a chinese company there's a
1: specific tension isn't there really between the u.s and china um and obviously i don't want to turn this into a political spin-off podcast um (laughs) so let's not go into that too much but i think in terms of like the number of people in america obviously it's a massive kind of global influence and the fact that the house of representatives which is for it's like our it's the equivalent of our parliament um so it's 435 people in office so as in elected representatives yeah um and then that the ban also applies to anyone who works within the house so also all of the support staff etc so it'll be a considerable number of kind of thousands of people um and i think the fact that they've also banned it in the u.s military which will be many many more thousands um that's quite a big kind of statement Mm. to make i think yeah and it says in the article as well as of last week 19 states had also um partially blocked the app from state-managed devices Mm -hmm. um including texas georgia and maryland so it's something that they feel quite strongly about in america yeah Um, so it's beginning to be interesting to see the impact it has i think
0: yeah is there are there any sort of government agencies in the uk that have banned tiktok do, that we're um, aware of?
1: Well, there is one client story here. Okay. So where we work with the NHS, mm. um and obviously we won't say any more than that to be good for anonymity. Sure. Yep. Um but within our NHS client base, which is quite a few different teams, um, where we've talked about advertising on TikTok, they can't have TikTok on any of their NHS owned devices. Mm. Yeah. Um so so, yeah. Due to the same sort yeah, of reasons why this to... has been banned. I would in America. imagine. So. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's it, it sort of goes back round to all social media that there is a lot of data that is being shared. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's interesting that it's specifically only TikTok that is being singled out. And I think it's potentially being singled out for it's the, the reasons that we've. It? Yeah.
1: But I think in this article, so this, I don't know if we said at the start, but this is a TechCrunch article. Um, they talk, and. Um, I think typically when we think about banning apps like this, it's exactly what you've just said, Jack. So it's around kind of data collection and data privacy and spying on data and that kind of thing. Um, but they've also been talking about there's concerns around the fact that um, the algorithm is so kind of malleable and there's um, potential for kind of undue influence or undue censorship from yeah. various people. So um, they were saying that two thirds of US teenagers and young people are on tiktok and there's a concern that um china I, I suppose is the concern as they own the app um would be able to either um block certain information from going to that demographic or heighten certain information um yeah. and yeah it all feels a bit like black mirrory, doesn't mm-hmm. it yeah
0: i think the other thing to say as well is that the tiktok algorithm is specifically mm-hmm. something that people talk about when they talk about tiktok <laughs> yeah. is how inverted commas good the algorithm is and like how tailored it can be Mm -hmm. where it learns so much about you so yeah becky what you were saying just about you know how it's choosing to deliver what to certain demographics and things could be a real concern you know in terms of censorship
1: Mm -hmm. i mean they're pretty like transparent in the article wasn't it when it says they could allow the chinese government to spy on americans like that's why they're banning it they're not sort of beating about the bush here that's why they they don't want any influence really from the from the east do they but and
0: then there's i guess i on a slightly different sort of side of things there was the stuff around 5g and Mm. um china helping to support 5g infrastructure i think across the uk canada and the us um governments have stepped in and said that they don't want sort of various parts from china because of again like very similar sort of concerns over privacy and mm. how how much sort of again data information etc they would be able to access sort of feels very cold warish yeah, at does. this stage but yeah, like really kind does. of like almost like a a tech cold war almost yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I remember when so when I was at uni, which back in the old days, you know, (laughs) um, so that's probably, yeah, 10 years ago now that I would have been discussing this. Um, So I did criminology for anyone that doesn't know. Um, We we had a whole module on cybercrime and that kind of thing. And there was like a whole section of kind of lectures and seminars about the possibility of the next kind of world war type situation will be delivered entirely kind of digitally wow
0: we are kind of seeing that though to an extent i think we're moving really far away from what this podcast is about sort of talking about politics and and yeah crime and things well yeah but But it's it's it is connected
1: yeah it's where digital marketing was kind of originally like a niche sphere and now because of the world of digital growing and kind of infiltrating every single aspect of society um yeah, it's becoming bigger and bigger, I think. Yeah,
0: but with, with everything that's happening with Russia and Ukraine, we're seeing a lot of cyber attacks or mm. have seen a lot of cyber attacks where groups like even Anonymous were getting involved and sort of yeah. doing various um, hacks on Russian infrastructure and things and SolarWinds last year, mm. although that's not connected to Ukraine necessarily. like That, I believe, was traced back to Russia. So right. just all these different things that are happening and, yeah, just crazy how it's sort of evolved isn't it yeah. yeah
1: i mean it's it is scary really when you think kind of how many things are controlled by digital and yeah. the ways that we are influenced by digital advertising etc um but yeah
0: yeah i think one of the one of the things that is probably most concerning is with things like hacking and cybercrime and stuff like that is always if people if we become reliant on things like water and utilities and stuff like that you know electricity where it's all controlled using mm. computers at the end of the day like that is where yeah bad apples could get in and try we and did actually We that
1: as a test scenario at uni. Yeah. So the scenario at the start of the seminar was okay someone's hacked into the national grid and taken oh, really? it down digitally what do you do? And then we literally had to work it through from, what do you do? How how did you fix it, Becky? I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I remember leaving that lecture being like, oh my God. Yeah, it is quite scary.
0: (laughs) So yeah, Black Mirror.
1: So yeah, sorry everyone, we're not actually making this more positive yet, but... (laughs) We'll get there, we'll get there. It's interesting, even if it is scary, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely um so moving from tiktok to twitter mm-hmm. lighten the mood <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> um so yeah for twitter we've basically just collected all the things that everyone spotted um over the last kind of two or three week period that we've not done a podcast um just of the kind of developments um because i know that the last episode we n- didn't talk about twitter as a treat to everyone yeah so um we're going to do it again now but not <laughs> in specific to an article so <clears throat> There was a couple of things that I spotted over Christmas. Um, One of them where me and my family were watching it quite closely was, did you see just before Christmas, he put up a poll about, do you want me to be removed as CEO? If this votes in the favor, then I will step down. And it it did tip. It was like 56 or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's no longer
0: CEO of Twitter anymore. (laughs) Yes, he is. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so, no one believed him. Surely, no. well,
1: well. So what he wrote in the comments, because someone said, um, "Oh, you know, um, this has been like." Uh, skewed by all of the bots and the like, ah, like fake okay. traffic so you should only accept votes from blue tick people and now and his
0: reply to that there was oh yeah that's a good idea yeah.
1: his reply really? was yeah yeah fantastic because now blue tick people are people who have paid for their tick oh, and win, gold, win gold tick people are people who are like verified identity sure so like the old blue ticks are yep. now gold ticks um, yeah great more money in his pocket um, exactly so he's literally said he's laughing isn't he he said, "Yeah, I, I will listen to this only from people who are paying for Twitter." Brilliant! It's <laughs> That's a democracy, isn't it? Fantastic. Well, yeah.
0: You pay for free speech.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Well, and and the free speech thing is the other thing that I noticed over Christmas, which I just think is so hypocritical. Elon Musk is going to come for me with this little tirade <laughs> now, um, but. <clears throat> So basically over Christmas, Twitter took down any links that people were tweeting to other platforms and particularly Mm Mastodon. It was
0: was it during one of the World Cup was it the World Cup final when he he introduced this kind of like very quietly, just sort of put it out in a tweet from the support the Twitter support channel to say we're gonna be um, yeah, changing the way that you share profiles
1: i don't know yeah. Just,
0: um, it was it was sort of done very quietly sort of at a time where a lot of focus was on something else
1: uh, okay yeah ah. cool so so yeah he he removed all tweets that had links to mastodon profiles instagram profiles etc um he has since apologized and said that he was wrong to do so obviously, well done, because people well called done. him out on it. Um, but then he also, around a similar time, said that part of his mission with Twitter was to relax the advertising rules to allow for political ads and specific causes on there. Um, and then he's also been threatening to reveal some private files uh, of the f- Dr. Fauci. Fauci. Fauci, whatever, <Pouchy? laughs> a, a doctor in America who is a like leading... Um, infectious disease specialist and basically he's saying that because twitter like censored um things that were being shared on the platform about covid um twitter has like created the narrative around covid and it's not an accurate narrative because it doesn't take into account all sides so basically what he's trying to do is kind of poo poo covid a little bit Mm -hmm. well i
0: think he already did Mm -hmm. he's sort of like been sort of teasing that he was going to release these files he released some of them Mm. and everyone was like this isn't really the smoking gun that you said it was going to be and he was like oh no 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 i've got more yeah don't worry (laughs) yeah
1: well yeah so someone commented on something he did last week and said oh well when are the fauci files coming um and he wrote on it very soon dot 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 Mm. or something like that yeah so so i
0: think (laughs) it it does raise a lot of questions and concerns because again this is these were private conversations that were happening on the platform and he is mm. just releasing mm. essentially private messages that people were having, um, you know, which is quite invasive. Yeah. Um, have
1: one person have the power to do that. And well, it's, it's it's controlled free speech, isn't it? So mm. well, you're not allowed to talk about Mastodon and you're not allowed to talk about COVID in a scientific way. Yep, But you can be free in your speech if you're going to spread misinformation yeah. or talk about things that he thinks should be out there mm, <laughs> it's just yeah. very like yeah. it's turning into it like a sour a isn't it dictatorship of yeah the platform. <laughs> yeah
0: but it goes it goes back to something we were saying in december of just it, i think it just paints a picture of how fragile social media can be that it just one day a billionaire can buy it and yeah. just mm. tank it and the the audience that you've built up and everything that you've mm. kind of like created on the platform it kind of could disappear overnight really largely yeah based I mean, on one person and you know again like even within that when you're you're messaging and doing things privately and whatever like somebody can come in and just reveal that yeah. to mm. to everyone and things that you thought were were private and mm-hmm. relatively yeah. safe suddenly suddenly it's not anymore
1: it does i think um reinforce the point of which we have talked clients lots about before um having your own real estate that you own is so important definitely so lots of you know if you're starting up an e-commerce thing you might think oh you know i'm just going to be in amazon i'm just going to do it via amazon shop Mm. but that just means that you're in like amazon's in control of you at at any point regardless of what you've grown amazon could take that away for example and i'm not necessarily just throwing amazon under there but
0: they can take it i'm sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like if you've grown a massive following on twitter for example and that's your only platform and you don't have kind of diversity in reach or your own space um then yeah you absolutely could lose all of that overnight because of decisions that are happening elsewhere um and I mean, even just today in the office, we've been talking about kind of social media always being on the internet, and you having to be careful about like wh- what's on there and etc. Because it could reflect on you at any point. um And I think, yeah, this is an example of that, isn't it? As- especially for brands, I suppose.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. Nothing else to add to that. Sorry, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs>
1: just my. I'm. I'm done. All my words are out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well let's jump from twitter to instagram uh Perfect. to round out our social <laughs> corner um and yeah the the article that i've got for instagrams from uh social media today um and it was the instagram chief uh outlining key areas of focus for the app in 2023 so that was the title of the app and uh, sorry the title of the article and kind of just reading through this article i think there were a couple of key takeaways for me things that i hadn't necessarily considered before um, and some of the things that stood out was the fact that 2022 saw a really big milestone for Instagram, that they had the first month with um, an active monthly user base of 2 billion people, which is quite a lot of people.
1: How many people are in the world? <clears throat> 8 billion 8 now. 8 billion, isn't it? yeah. It's just tipped over. <clears throat> so that's quite a lot then. Yeah. That's quite a lot. <laughs> if you just you look could at say it, that. You could like say that. Percentage yeah. of the world. Yeah. That's quite a lot.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think even though they'd hit this milestone though, the sort of like what Instagram is as an app has sort of evolved to the point that it's not really what it used to be, but it's not really sort of what it aspires to be as well in the same same way. So for example, it's kind of like moving towards or trying to emulate things that TikTok does, but it's not quite there. But then because it's not quite what it used to be either, it's sort of like in this weird sort of middling ground where yeah they're trying to sort of like refocus and re-understand what it, what they want to be to to their audience and to their user base mm.
1: um th- the person that i always reference that i watch on tiktok um the mum who makes her kids lunch boxes and that kind of thing She's called Safina, if anyone wants to look her up. Anyway, (laughs) over Christmas, I started following her on Instagram as well. I didn't even realise she also had an Instagram space. Um, Back to the previous point, she's diversifying her platforms. Um, But... Something I have noticed is that so the content that she puts on TikTok is very kind of like curated for TikTok. So it's um the daily video of her making her daughter's lunchbox. It's the daily video of um her dogs going for a walk and all the little like sound bite stuff or so like if she receives something in the post, like she always talks about um Branston Pickle and they sent her a thing oh, really? in the post for like Branston Pickle mayonnaise. Um, which Thomas was actually talking about this the other week. You know, someone in our office is eating Branson pickle mayonnaise. Oh. But anyway, um, so yeah, all of those videos are very kind of like soundbitey, like short, sharp information. Like she's created it into like it's got captions and all of that kind of thing. And she probably does I don't know, like six videos a day or something. Wow. Like, Um, that that's her job. She's a social media influencer. But fine. But on Instagram, she puts up stories which are so much less curated and then obviously because they disappear after 24 hours and all of that kind of thing um her instagram identity feels a lot more real Mm -hmm. as in like real life authentic type thing than her tiktok one now that i follow her on both which one do you prefer which one do you think is more effective what's your measurement in like capturing people's attention so if you would found her just on instagram do you think you'd have followed her no mm, interesting so now that i know her and i like her from tiktok i can take the fact that she puts 30 stories on instagram a day and i literally watch her entire life and what she's been doing um but yeah the the tiktok ones where they're more curated and Mm. specific and thought out um, do you you know
0: do you know if she was on tiktok first so was it tiktok to youtube uh, to instagram sorry i think she was on instagram first right
1: okay i think does she have many more followers on tiktok than instagram uh loads more on okay. tiktok mm. she's got like two million or something on tiktok wow. and on instagram she's at like uh two hundred thousand. okay interesting does she actively publicize her tiktok from her instagram no the other way around mm. okay so she's very like organic on tiktok and then on her tiktok she says oh if you want to hear more about me go and okay. look at me on instagram interesting mm it's very interesting (laughs) um sorry to relate this back to what you're talking about with instagram it's okay no it's all um, part of it (laughs) um i think that um the way that instagram is changing isn't necessarily like as detrimental as people thought it might be because of the rise of tiktok people are happy with that same kind of interface on instagram and that same way of um interacting Mm
0: -hmm. yeah because because one of the the big sort of i think pushbacks that instagram has seen almost last year or 2022 was that people are finding that their instagram feed is kind of like starting things that they're following well sorry people like to follow you know people and whatever on instagram but then various other things are popping up in their feed that suggested posts thank Mm. you suggested posts Mm. are popping up which people are like well i i don't why are you showing me this because i want to see you know photos of friends or whatever it might be brands etc um and that's kind of like where the difference between instagram and tiktok kind of is whereas tiktok is kind of just like feeding you new things Mm -hmm. that's all part of the algorithm instagram is kind of like where you go to see things that you technically follow and have told um Instagram that you're interested in. Yeah. And and this kind of like is one of the key points that Instagram like as part of this article Instagram was saying that they're trying to move towards is helping people to discover things that they love and that was one of their sort of key objectives for the year. Where where I think that there's, you know, potentially a bit of risk involved in that just in terms of what people actually want from the platform and it's kind of like people are being told what they should want from the platform as opposed to it actually sort of being almost customer led. If you mm. see users of social media as being the customers.
1: Yeah. I'm um, just reading these like top three priorities. So I'll just summarize them really quickly for, for everyone it. listening. But so number one is inspire people to be creative. Number two, help people discover things they love. And number three, spark connections between people. I, f- I feel like these are a bit dated to be honest. Mm. Um, so Where I remember when Instagram first kind of grew in popularity, um, one of the big um excitements about it was that because it had all those pre-built filters in the app and that kind of thing, um, you could make your photos look really cool even when you weren't a photographer or whatever, and everyone was putting it on there and it was a photography app wasn't it and it was like yeah everyone using the valencia filter all the time or I th- whatever i think
0: it's interesting though that you say it's dated because i think that that's part of what they're doing is they're trying to sort of look at their roots and like what they were as an app when they started and trying but, to like bring that forward.
1: but that's no longer relevant yeah so because people today are very focused on uh, authentic representation yeah. of what you're putting on social media. They don't want it to be filtered. They want to see what your face actually looks like. They want the colours in the picture to be real. Like all of that kind of thing. And I feel like yeah, all of those filters and edits were really cool back in the day, but they're not cool now. Like when you talk to you know, um so on TikTok, there's a there's like a whole um theme of um, videos which is all gen z's giving um, advice to millennials of like stop doing all these things on social media it's really (laughs) lame um and one of them is using filters yeah i've stopped completely on instagram now and i look back at my first probably 10 or so Instagram posts yeah. way back when and they're so so filtered, heavily filtered But picture I, and the then difference
0: then is like it's kind of like it's a trend when everyone's yeah. doing it yeah. if you're not doing it you're sort of the outlier True. And yeah, sort yeah. Of but
1: yeah now I don't do it at all just get the photos put, press post and happy days exactly yeah so I think that that side of it's gone. But then obviously inspire people to be creative. That doesn't necessarily just mean within your photography. What they're probably thinking is like the reels and yep. all of that kind of thing. So and maybe that mm. still stands, but just in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um I think the one that particularly is spark connections between people. Like mm. I don't think that happens on Instagram. I really don't. <laughs> But maybe I in stories spe- maybe.
0: specifically they were talking about a new feature that's coming in where you can sort of like direct message people and so they were talking about specifically a new feature that they were trying to roll out and pushes that through Instagram you can message people and then create posts that you can share and like create new connections that way
1: okay I'm not following but that's fine I look forward to the feature coming out and seeing <laughs> what, what it's actually going to do um yeah I don't know I, I think it's really cool that they're still trying but I'm so yet- would you say you're now the amount of time you spend on TikTok is far higher than you spend on Instagram no it's probably the same the same okay about the same mm-hmm. um but what what Instagram used to be for me it's not anymore mm. so where it used to be like looking at all of my friends photos yes in the feed I hardly ever see photos from my friends yeah no Hardly I agree. ever. yeah and on the like discover bit, it's barely any photos now. It's just reels or yeah, videos. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's completely evolved, hasn't it? Yeah. So the connections between people. I don't know whether it's necessary between people. No, people react to your story, don't they? But that's literally—it's hard. I wouldn't say it's a connection. Mm. Exactly. It's a reaction rather than a connection.
0: Just to explain the feature that I was talking about okay. in a bit more detail. So, yeah, Instagram's been looking to feed. Uh, to feed into this sort of feature with new additions like notes, which enables users to share a conversation prompt and a stories-like bubble above your direct inbox. Oh. So that's something that they're moving towards, apparently. But it's in the article, if you want to check it out in the comments. Oh,
1: a stories-like bubble. So as in, you could put... Per- Let me see that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this is you send direct messages and then you can create notes which people can then view so as opposed to actual photos videos it's actually a note that people can see that can you can interact with
1: oh i just don't understand it's fine i it's fine i'll read the article in in depth later (laughs) it's a feature when it's rolled out
0: yeah get in there early and you can become an influencer
1: yep um you as you know i am not an early adopter no. I won't be getting in there early. I'll wait for everyone else to try it out and let me know what it's like and then I'll think about
0: it. Yeah, tune into episode 50. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Happy we're with that? Are we wrapped up for socials? Yep. Yeah,
0: That's I good. think so. Okay. As much as I love talking about social media, we can move on to content. some more exciting stuff organic and content. Um, so, this was actually something that happened in December, which I think was super interesting. It was a sort of conversation we were having in the office. Um, specifically around Google Eats. So for everyone out there, Google Eats was um, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. So a way that Google would sort of review how the content you're writing could be trustworthy. Um, But they've actually added a new E to still make it eat, I guess, but it's just a double E now. So it's E-E-A-T, Google Eats. Um, and the new e stands for experience so I think they sort of reviewing the way that they were doing Google eat um, they realized that there was possibly well they they realized there was something missing that not everything is done in the world on expertise um, there's also experience that they need to factor in so people can still be trustworthy even if they aren't ne- necessarily an expert in something because you haven't an experience in something, you can also be um, trusted on that specific um, piece of content. I so
1: this is just about semantics. Do you
0: uh, know? see I, th- I, I really, really do. like this new edition
1: I, I no, I think it's great, but I do think it's like mildly offensive to say to someone like, so eat refers to why I'm well, doesn't it? So yeah, let's say so um, why
0: and well is your money or your life? yes specifically sorry throwing acronyms out there go for
1: it um so yeah anything that's ymyl um comes with this like specific um protection from google i suppose um to make sure that it is what it what it should be because it could affect you um so let's just say i don't know like a financial expert so i listened to a podcast this morning with um a woman I think she called like the money mum or something, and she was on Alex George's podcast. um And she has no financial qualifications whatsoever. So I would imagine in this she would come under experience rather than expertise. Yeah. But she's got millions of followers, and she knows a lot about finance. She has tried it all out herself, and she advises other people and etc. To not call her an expert feels a bit.
0: I see wow. where you're coming from in terms of semantics. I think it's more the way it was framed by Google, where it did create this gray area for, you know, your example where she wouldn't necessarily come under that expert category because she doesn't have degrees and so qualifications you have to have
1: and kind of formal
0: whereas, recognition of your activities. Yeah, now you kind of have that experience where she has all these followers and she okay. has been doing it for such a long time that you they can you know, you within sort of that framework of YMYL mm-hmm. you can say we can trust her because she has the experience of, you know, all those years. Yep. So it sort of I think it removes that grey area where you can sort of write authoritatively and talk confidently online around a certain area without worrying that you're gonna be sort of um trying to avoid saying hammered by Google <laughs> for <penalized>. something. <laughs> Thank you, that's the one I'm looking for. You're not gonna be penalized by Google. Yep. Um because you don't have like, you know, three framed qualifications on your wall Mm. that no one could even see behind
1: you in every single video basically yeah I think it's a really good thing and I think on some topics especially people I know I would anyway have if people have got real life experience they might not be a so called expert but if they've had really good experience from it like you were saying about the finance thing I'd probably be more inclined to yeah so I don't know, to trust what that person says and Absolutely. to follow their advice mm-hmm. because they've literally lived it and it's not just a formal qualification. Yeah, I mean, they've got lots of examples here of the different where topics that um, it would uh, kind of refer to or different ways that you would um, set them out. So like filling in tax forms, for mm. example. So where this comes under experience is someone who's a non-expert content creator and they're doing a video about the frustration of doing taxes. And then the expert view would be instructions on how to fill out tax forms but both of those are going to be taken into account now Mm -hmm. as being kind of safe content to appear in this space which i think is quite cool yeah and potentially the content creation could be slightly different i'm not sure if it's an experience it could be a little bit less formal yeah um Mm -hmm. and in the way it's presented and the way it's written or something like that
0: and the whole sort of idea behind eat to begin with is is trying to understand especially specifically as becky said when we're talking about ymyl so your money or your life sort of content it's things that could have negative impacts on you know your financial stability or on your livelihood Mm -hmm. because you're giving bad advice and that that advice is sort of being presented by google um you know in search results and it's sort of finding that waiting and finding the way that google can distribute it fairly when obviously those things are sort of being presented in different ways and the whole point of this is to make sure that people aren't giving bad advice around things that are going to have really uh important well that could have negative impacts on your life
1: do we think that there's a potential danger here in that so if someone has experience lived experience and they talk about it and that's why they're within google e and they're like deemed fine um obviously that's not objective advice or objective an objective view of the topic mm. so like i don't know a, a health if you had a, a something wrong with you or if you had i don't know vague <laughs> um, no i'm trying to think like <laughs> in, like in in this um the article it's it's got like liver cancer treatment as an example yeah um <clears throat> so really i would for liver cancer treatment as a specific example i would only be wanting to see expert-led advice on that surely like you would not want something to be deemed appropriate where it's one person's experience
0: sure i think again for me at least when we're talking specifically around content (coughs) it's it's the way that you optimize a page for that specific content so if you were looking for that specific advice you know f- from an expert the the page wouldn't necessarily reflect that sort of expert opinion mm. versus for anecdotal experience of living with you know liver cancer and how you make the most of it would kind of be where the ex- the lived experience side of things would come sure. from as opposed to giving giving advice on how to treat yourself yeah. when you've got <laughs> yeah. liver yeah. cancer like that's that, that's that, where that be my worry, yeah. yeah that's where that line would come and and hopefully well the way that the page is optimized and the way that the the pages are ranked if you if you have fred's liver cancer page where he's just telling you how to treat yourself at home like maybe that wouldn't be but again like if it's his experience and he knows that it makes you more comfortable yeah you, obviously there there is a this is a new thing that was introduced <laughs> a month ago yeah i guess we have to not, see
1: i think what we have to remember though with e is that it's not either or in no. hand. so i think and obviously this is just live out of my brain. This is the first time I'm thinking about this. I'm excited why... to hear it. Well, no, we're, just work- <laughs> we're working through it together, aren't we? It's interesting. But because it's, and I guess it means that like a, um, I don't know, like a cancer support group website, for example, um, where previously they would only be able to rank if the majority of their content is written by a consultant, for example. Yeah. Um, now, the fact that they have got stories from cancer survivors on that site as well, that will um, give them extra points, I guess, with mm-hmm. Google, which is really cool. But only if they also have mm-hmm. expert so authority up. trust within the site.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And it, it's just it's good that it's evolving. It's yeah. I think that's probably my takeaway is that it's not sort of like... It's only ever going to be <laughs> expertise authority and Trust and you know, hopefully they, they evolve it even further than this. Um, but it is good that they are, are thinking about it. Um I guess where I'll I'll finish with this is that there was a one hundred and seventy one hundred and seventy six page document that I was <laughs> reading through earlier. If anyone's having trouble. So saying. yeah, <laughs> if you if you enjoyed listening to this <laughs> and want to learn out more, out more yeah uh, so Jack, we'll put why that don't
1: you read it and then you do us a tldr
0: that was yep. what we just talked about was the <laughs> tldr so if you want to go more in depth it's going to be there in the uh, description below so go wild
1: Okay, cool. Um, So the second and final point then on content um, is around uh, an article that we saw from Search Engine Land called How to Write an Effective About Us page. Um, And the reason why I thought this was really interesting is because I don't think I've ever worked on a website where anyone's prioritised the About Us page. No, I agree. So it's often seen as like a supplementary, mm-hmm. like it's a page you have to have and just write whatever you want on it. Yep. And no one will ever look at it. It's That's fine. If, if they have it. A lot of websites <coughs> don't have one at all, do they?
0: Yeah, and you kind of have to dig to find it as mm. well sometimes. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I think I'll caveat this with saying I don't think an About Us page is relevant for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably more relevant for a service-based business or a B2B environment. Rather than like a consumer or e-commerce,
0: I yeah I I would kind of agree with that. Yeah. I think that the, it's sort of like a, it's a situation by situation, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because
1: if it's kind of a product-led environment, you're not necessarily going to be searching for about us. Whereas if it's a service that someone's going to provide yep. you, you are more likely to want to understand their story, etc. Yeah, um, I think
0: I think though that you know to push back on that a little, if it was sort of more of like a B two C kind of environment, are you about and Patagonia. It, Mm, not in this instance okay. but
1: that's the one that was in my brain when uh, I, was thinking about this. I
0: was thinking more <laughs> eco though yeah. and if it mm. was if you were sort of looking for something that was more reflective of your values and you were sort of more mm. sort of concerned you had sort of key concerns around something you would you might want to read the story about it, but again, it, it is a case by case basis. And if you just want a product, you just buy it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So a stat pulled from this article, which was really surprising for me to be honest, um, is that 55% of B two B buyers said that content that tells a strong and resonating story is what would make them most likely to talk to sales.
0: Yeah, and I think from from the same page as well. The when asked what the most important page on a website is, the most important page people said was the contact, contact page us,
1: and then the second one was about us yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: which i i was quite surprised by um yeah. i think most people would kind of expect the home page to be
1: yeah you know where it's at well i don't actually okay from a cro background sure
0: that's, well yeah, that's cheating home, though well yeah from my experience
1: <laughs> um i know that the home page is is fairly not important sure
0: it's it's a good place to start at yeah. least
1: mm-hmm. uh, well most site entries won't be to the homepage is okay the point for lots of things but regardless let's talk about about pages yeah um, sure so <laughs> um so yeah basically the article was kind of saying and you know tying this back into eat um having an about us page you can explain why you're qualified to sell what you do and, and or why you're qualified to talk about the topics that you're going to talk about um so that would provide that kind of authority mm-hmm. and trust I really like the about us pages personally, like I think especially if it is a more eco product or something Mm -hmm. like that, as Jack was saying, it's nice to know the story behind it. And a lot of them, I think Patagonia is one of them and Mm -hmm. a lot of the other ones kind of tell the whole story. They don't just have, you know, just about us. They have pictures, they have, Mm -hmm. you know, links to people's LinkedIn profiles and other things that they've done. And I really actually quite like reading through a lot of it just to find out more about the company. Well, that's exactly what this article says. So it says, do not put on your about us page we like so let's just the the optics one for example mm. we are in exeter and we employ 20 people and yep. these are the services that we do like no, no. <laughs> you want to put on it the company came from this point this yeah, is our people story. Wanna know the story this don't is they? what we stand for these are our people and these are some cool things about them mm-hmm. and all of that kind of thing i yep. think
0: i think this does link back to what you were saying about socials earlier that People are looking for authenticity, yep, and definitely. you know what—what what can be more authentic than? I guess you could argue that a story can be fabricated, but still, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what copyright is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Regardless, um, people people like to know who they're working with, and also at the same time, you fabricate the story and walk through the door. Once you actually start talking to the salespeople and realize that oh, they made all that up, yep. you wouldn't be very impressed. So obviously whatever you're writing on your about us page don't don't make it up no (laughs) no (laughs) be authentic
1: yeah um so obviously in the episode description for our podcast we always have the links to all of the articles we've discussed um but this one particularly so it's search engine land um there is a full how to on how to do your about page and there are 13 real life business examples as well i think it's well worth a read Mm -hmm. if anyone is looking to overhaul their about us page this year Yep.
0: Yeah, we didn't make the cup, we were number fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Needs so to be bars so out of it so more. Yep. <laughs>
1: um Okay, cool. So okay. that is content then I think. Cool. That's wow. it. What? That's Just it. The, the
0: podcast. <laughs> Great content.
1: Great content. Fantastic. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to move on to the next article, which is about how Amazon is reportedly working on a standalone sports app. Um, So it's an article from Endgadget, and it's a way for Amazon to potentially declutter Prime Video. (laughs) So Amazon, as we know, stream a lot of sports and they have deals with NFL, Premier League and the New York Yankees. And the Autumn Internationals, for any rugby fans out there, was also streamed on Amazon Prime Mm -hmm. last um, autumn. And so it's a way for Amazon to highlight live sports content as one of the ways and one of the areas that they want to potentially diverge more into. And they've cut costs in a lot of other areas of the business. I think we mentioned in a previous podcast that they've cut about 30% of their workforce. Um, Mm -hmm. So they're clearly streamlining money and sort of ideas into this potential avenue. Um, It's not been reported yet whether it will be sort of as a separate subscription service, because obviously that could potentially compete with Prime
0: that would um, that would be my concern it's just yes. like i i hate the idea of like there just being more apps yep. and more things you have to, to subscribe to i mean you know becky as an example you have bt sport right still
1: um i do have the bt sport app i just want to be clear I don't pay for the BT sport I don't I also don't have it legally. and also just looking at your faces um <laughs> <laughs> I I have it as part of my phone contract so it just came with it mm-hmm. so that I'm sure
0: that's still legal right
1: yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but as in I don't I like, haven't sought out a BT sport um thing I I think like
0: that was is- sorry to interrupt but yeah that was just an example of just like more apps that do more things
1: yeah yeah Having yeah. a sport app, though, is not, like, revolutionary. This
0: no. is just Sky no. Sports. Yeah, exactly. Yes, but it's it's, it's Sky Sports, it's BT Sports, it's Amazon Sports, it's, yeah. um, you know, all these other different ones mm. that I can't... It's just, It's yeah. bolting
1: on. Or, like, you know, like, Now TV. Yep. Within Now TV, you have, like, different groupings for your channels. So you can have the entertainment package or mm-hmm. the sports package or... Well, that's how Sky works as well. Sure. Like, the movies package. And I think that's kind of what they're leaning towards here. So yes. within Prime within your standard 9.99 a month or whatever you get the basic and then if you want to bolt on sport i guess it depends as well how how exclusive they make it so they paid 1 billion um us dollars annually for exclusive streaming rights um to the thursday night football package so i guess it depends what they then sort of cut out of prime video Mm. potentially if they were to cut the autumn internationals out of what is normal prime and put that on a sports app yeah i personally don't think i'd pay more for it i just think oh i can't watch it then but it depends how big a sports fan you are i guess and what other features they would be putting in it um but there's no word yet on when they plan to launch it yeah Um, i mean because this happens with and i'm gonna get so many details of this wrong but with football like when they move around where the premier league games are shown like people get upset don't they yeah absolutely yeah yeah and even I think just to take another really random example of so Wimbledon sometimes changes channels, so it was on BBC One. Oh, we're now on BBC Two. Oh, we're something else. Oh, we're on another thing. We're and it's just for... no. If, but if in terms moved, of oh my gosh, if they move Wimbledon you to Amazon Prime yeah. or BT Sport or something, yeah, then they do, it's just changed. they do have I the tennis though. Don't um...
0: like. They have yes. tennis on. Yeah, they do. They? I think it's the French Open. Yeah, yeah. it's one um, of the other international ones, isn't it? But I
1: think if it's, I think it's the change, isn't it? If people don't like, and once they're set on, oh, this is on this channel, mm. they won't want it to be moved.
0: But the thing is, though, that it's kind of like out of everyone's control, isn't it? If they mm-hmm. just decide to buy, <laughs> yeah. buy the Wimbledon rights for, you know, whatever, two billion. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, they've got it now. And yeah, if yeah. you want to watch the Wimbledon, that's mm-hmm. the Wimbledon, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, the Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the tennis tournament. Yeah. But
1: that's, that's how, um, like... Um, channel specific like programs and stuff work, yeah. isn't it like yeah. you know they advertise things on normal tv like freeview tv mm-hmm. and then you go oh my god that looks so good and then right at the end it says only available on apple tv and you're yeah. like bloody yeah. hell yeah yeah
0: so i think we should probably say that we're not interested in wimbledon so amazon don't worry about buying it
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no one watches that anyway you don't want it yeah <laughs> no leave <it> on bbc <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so watch this space then, I guess. Yeah. With changes to Prime Video. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. See what happens in the future. Okay. Um, Final article of the day then. Um, This is one that I am really excited about. So it's about data measurement. And basically, it's from The Drum, our friends at The Drum, um, talking about why they think that this year is going to be really big for like a different type of measurement. Um, and the one that they're highlighting here is attention measurement. So particularly where things like um the out of home advertising and like connected TV advertising so let's think sky AdSmart. smart yep. the measurement of that is it's better than it ever would have been when we put adverts on normal TV um but it is not as useful as google ad metrics for example um and yeah they're looking at how how do we measure that better and then they're calling this attention measurement. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be things like time spent on the ad, how many interactions with an ad, um an ad's prominence on a page, that kind of thing, um, in order to kind of pit ads um in terms of how they're performing, um, and hopefully at some point being able to calculate some kind of ROI. Um, because obviously we know working with clients, that is the most favored metric in terms of ad spend um you want to know what you're what you're getting back for it Mm -hmm. um so i mean we're looking at netflix and disney plus which both now have ad supported tiers so obviously people can now i mean when we say people big companies (laughs) companies <laughs> can contact <laughs> um Netflix and Disney to get their adverts in between certain programmes or showing to certain people, etc. Um, and that's only predicted to grow. So um it's predicted to be a twenty seven percent increase in ad spend on this type of advertising. Um and I think particularly where we're moving towards like cookie less world mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, um these kinds of things which are like engagement signals and they're privacy friendly that's going to be really important to
0: people I think moving into this sort of cookie-less future I kind of feel like we're leaving behind almost the golden age of measurement where things are Mm. things in traditional marketing before we you know went the digital route they were a bit more vague and it was a bit more difficult to sort of say it was you know roughly x amount of people would have seen this ad based on like various metrics but there was no sort of exact figure whereas now sort of like going through all the cookies and everything we could say specifically x amount of people did this and xyz whatever to actually give some clear rois Mm -hmm. and i feel like we're kind of moving past that towards sort of cooking this feature and there's almost like a re a relearning here to understand that things maybe won't be as clear as they were and you know that's not really through anyone's fault and it's Mm -hmm. kind of like trying to set those expectations again to sort of help people to understand that okay it's not going to be as clear but also this is you know the most effective way of being able to prove a return on investment you know and being very honest and transparent with the the different metrics that you're using to actually reach that conclusion you know and you're not just pulling numbers out of thin air
1: yeah yeah no definitely so um yeah these metrics these types of metrics um they are available through the um kind of ad supported platform so as in like if we look at sky ad smart for example um if you reach a certain spend on your ad spend you get access to additional metrics um but you don't on the basic tier for example um but i think it's going to be interesting where we're looking at things that kind of like link into google and that kind of thing um seeing big m- measurement platforms like that um pulling in these metrics which are slightly more like yeah the privacy friendly ones where it's more focused on engagement yeah (laughs) yeah Yep. okay sorry you're saying that one
0: you're saying things so succinctly it's like i don't really yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm doing so well explaining you just can't join in Um, essentially yeah good excuses you two well done thank you um okay so yeah i guess that wraps that up um any final questions put to each other any client things anything like that that we want to talk about this week Ooh. i mean obviously we only got back to work yesterday so yeah digital dilemmas wise we don't really have <laughs> anything jumping at us my,
0: <laughs> my <laughs> dilemma is i'm super busy already yeah <laughs> it's I know. The, the second I day of the month
1: it's the second day back um well it's that thing isn't it of in december <sighs> we all went oh that'll yeah. be a january problem and now here we are in january <laughs> dealing <Yeah>. with it
0: <laughs> my my past self-regrets yeah. or is angry at my present and future self for not having done the work in december
1: um i'm actually not i'm afraid oh you're on top of things on my last day in december i wrote myself a list in my notebook titled first day back and all the people i needed to chase and all the things i need has it been ticked off yeah oh well i actually thought
0: you were just going to say i wrote wrote myself a letter (laughs) to make myself feel better (laughs) you've got got this becky
1: (laughs) it's part of that podcasting we'll get into the swing of things again it'll be fine Yeah, definitely. No, I
0: think the most important thing for the start of the year is just like trying to find that normality again. Like, just get back in Mm, and just, you know, keep doing what you're doing and Mm. doing it well.
1: Yeah, I think. Um, it'll be interesting to talk next week so obviously over Christmas is a peak time for lots of clients um, in so many different industries and it's too soon into the working week currently for us to have looked at all of those campaigns and see how everything's going Um, but I think next week it would be interesting to talk about um, how did Christmas go Mm -hmm. in the consumer market and that kind of thing Um, because obviously everyone would expect that to be like a peak time for spending um, but has yep. it been based on cost of living etc sure yeah so i did achieved.
0: hear i did hear on the news that yeah spending was mm-hmm. down and prices were up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean that sounds <laughs> that's about yeah, right yeah <laughs> yes yeah, <Fantastic. I>, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so tune in next week for more insights like that yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and on that note <laughs> have a good weekend everyone yeah thanks a lot everyone thanks guys
0: <laughs> Bye. bye Thank you for listening to the podcast. More Than Digital Marketing is released every Friday, ready for your weekend listening. So please do rate and subscribe so you don't miss an episode.
1: You can follow us on Twitter using at Optics Solutions. And if you want to get in touch directly, you can do so using podcast at opticsolutions.co.uk.
0: Thanks for listening and see you next week.